Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 396 with Eric Huberman of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Eric Huberman is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, which is one of the fastest growing marketing consultancies in the United States. He went from making only $350 his first year in business to growing and selling two successful companies. Today, it's one of the fastest growing marketing consultancies in the US and has been valued at over $150 million. With over 250 plus employees, the company has serviced over 3,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups to household name brands like Red Bull, Verizon, and Alibaba. If you're ready to learn how to start or scale your own marketing agency, then this conversation is for you. Please welcome to the podcast, Eric Huberman. So Eric, the first question that I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job, aka how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Ooh, try to make a long story short. Uh, the quick and dirty of it is I tried to start my first e-commerce company when I was 12. Uh, I tried to start an online music company. And when I went to order all the products, they asked for my seller's permit. So I went to my parents and said, I need to get a seller's permit. They're like, yeah, we're not getting you a seller's permit. You're out of your mind. So that was my first attempt at e-commerce. And then Decided to focus on, I thought I was going to be a music manager. I thought I was going to be in real estate the rest of my life after that. And then I went into real estate, graduating college in 2008. And I started a week to the day before the entire economy in the US collapsed and banks went bankrupt and et cetera. And so that year I made about $350 working in real estate, which doesn't really make, give you enough to live off of in LA. It was, a, it was not, not a lot of money. So I started scrambling to figure out what I would do. 
about six months in, I actually ended up starting an online music company uh, that was think of like an early masterclass for music business, like music management, had a bunch of big executives and record executives teaching. And it was really cool, but it was, I realized it was never going to be a massive business. And so after two years of running it profitably, we hired a CEO to take my place. I went on and started a t-shirt subscription company called Swag of the Month, built that for a year and a half and sold it, joined an incubator called Science, where I uh, had just launched Dollar Shave Club and uh, worked with them, advised on their portfolio, helped them launch an activewear brand that then we sold to Bowie Total Fitness a year later. And then I uh, ended up advising and consulting for a bunch of brands and realized that the entire marketing ecosystem here was broken. Like 99% of marketers out there just are completely full of shit and have no idea what they're doing. And the few that are good tend to get really expensive, want long contracts, high minimums. And so it's really hard to find agency partners for brands that need some nimble flexibility, but also need really good work. And so just got sick of it, hired my own little SWAT team, each with their own expertise. So like a Facebook marketer, email marketer, web designer, et cetera, went to these brands and said, Hey, everything's a la carte month to month, cheaper than hiring in house, but we can spin up what you need when you need it. And ebb and flow is your needs change. And so that's how we started fast forward. It's been uh, almost eight years and we're about 270 full-time people and uh, managed marketing for about 600 brands, uh, have a venture fund, have uh, that we invest in marketing tech. We have a financing arm that we actually give loans to our clients and help them with working capital. And yeah, goal is uh, world domination, continue to grow. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. So you've been busy. Um, yeah. So uh, it's funny, uh, a couple of days before speaking to you today, uh, someone on your team outreached to me around the uh, the capital capital service. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it's very, very interesting um, to see kind of these different arms in your business that you're setting up. Um, I'm curious, how come, how come don't just focus on the, you know, the outsource CMO uh, model? Yeah, it, it's not a lack of focus. It's actually just more, it, it, it's looking at the pain points of what we're doing. The reason we have the capital arm is because we found that we were running into over and over again, we'd grow companies too fast and they'd run out of cash not run out of profitability. They may be growing in an efficient rate, but there's a payback period. There's a you know working capital cycle. And the bigger you get, the more capital you need during that cycle and they get stuck. And so we're like, well, we go try to find quick loans, but you know, some of these are onerous. They're, it's, it's like loan sharks. And so we're like, why don't we just build something out that makes this easy so that we can help our clients scale even more and not run into this problem. So it's solving problems. Is that most of our business is reactive built. It's like, oh, this is an issue, it's help. Same thing on the venture side. We That came from kind of two sides. One is we started investing out of off the balance sheet in companies that we thought were really interesting that we could help and be a partner to. And that went really well from an investment side, but our business doesn't, you know, it makes great money and it continues to make more, but not to the level that we can just write hundreds of thousands of dollars into brands every month. Like that's not what we're, you know, we don't make that kind of money. And so we wanted to invest faster than we could do it just ourselves. So brought in some outside capital for that. And that's how we ended up with a venture fund. So it's always been, you know, Hey, this is something that's really promising to the core business, but how can we double down on it and spend and do more? And then we also bring in an operator. We, you know, we've done it from a headcount perspective in a scalable way. Mm, interesting. Well, thanks for sharing, man. Um, I'd yeah. love to go back earlier into your journey, like uh, the science incubator. Um, sure. So you took like a, a brand called Ali's um, 
to a million dollars in sales in four months. Can you tell us like what that process looked like? Oh, it was more than that. We did uh, we did half a million that month. So we did like, yeah, it, it, it went really fast. And yeah, it was fun. It was, you know, listen, this was nine years ago. Yeah, about nine years ago. Um, is that, am I doing that math right? Yeah, geez, it's been nine years since that happened. So nine years ago, influencer marketing was brand new and we were messing around with it. When I say influencer marketing at the time it was bloggers. And so I got a list of 1200 fitness bloggers, mommy bloggers, fashion bloggers. And we went out to them and said, Hey, we'll send you a free top and bottom. If you'll write about it. My thesis was, you know, the cost of a top and bottom are about 20 bucks. And I was like, if I send someone $20 and they can't, if, if on average, these bloggers can't post about us and get one person to buy, we're screwed. And like, I can afford to spend 20 bucks a customer. So like we, that was my thesis. Like at least we're going to get to a critical mass for this. So we sent out 1200 packages and yeah, it went a lot better than that. We ended up generating $1.2 million in uh, sales through that outreach that cost us, what is that? $24,000. Yeah. Well, and so, good. yeah, so that went really well. And on top of that, we did Facebook ads, email marketing, press, all the other firing on all cylinders. And what it was, was my t-shirt company was bootstrapped. So I never could fully dive into everything I wanted to do. But my, you know, so when I went to Ellie, they had raised, they'd actually raised $2 million in seed funding for a vitamin company that was really struggling and asked me if I could help turn it around. And I was like, not really, this is just not a good product. They were, you know, had a, for most of your listeners, I know that they know these numbers. They had a, a $30 average order value and a $300 cost to acquire a customer really hard to make that those numbers work. So it's like, listen, I could optimize this, but I don't think we're going to get even close. And that's when we pivoted to this model, which was basically a copy of my t-shirt business, but for women's activewear. And so it took off really quickly. I got to run the playbook I'd been wanting to do for, you know, a year and a half, two years at that point, and it worked. And so we just took off, did really well from the marketing side, just skyrocketed. We actually outpaced the growth of Dollar Shave Club six months after they had launched. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. So for those uh, not aware, like Hawk, Hawk Media is, is one of the fastest growing agencies in LA. Is that correct? Yeah, in the country. Yeah. So um, what, what makes you guys different? Like, because like, growing an agency isn't easy. Yeah, it's, no, it is not easy. And it, it's funny, I've had senior executives that we've brought in that uh, come from other backgrounds that go, I can't believe you guys have made this business work, but it works. Like, and what it is, is we built the business, again, no barrier to entry. So you can, we're month to month, sign up whenever you want, fire us whenever you want, which makes it a lot easier to bring in business. You know, we sign 80 to 90 new clients every month. Um, which, you know, so a lot comes in and then we've had to build over eight years processes that make us able to deliver that because if we don't, we're month to month, they'll all fire us, which is not sustainable either. So we've been, we've been forced to build these great onboarding systems and these great and great talent <coughs> and prove ourselves month over month over month. Cause what it turns out is, yeah, if you sign a three month contract or a six month contract, when that hits, you're making a purchase decision. Like, am I really going to repeat this with us? It's, do I give it another month? which is hard in the beginning. We do, I would say, you know, being fully transparent, we got a lot of people that come in for like one or two or three months with no real intent of ever really staying with us. And, but if they get past that, they're with us for years. So it's literally like the people that have no form of commitment or they're going to commit. And once we're past those first few months, they're here to stay. Um, and that's because it's a combination of no barrier to entry, high credibility now. Like we're, I'm talking about current state, 
We've got a lot of case, hundreds of case studies, tons of cloud out there. We've kind of proven ourselves that on a month to month business, if we can scale like this and be sustainable like this, we're obviously doing something right. Clients keep paying us like they don't have to. So that's worked out. And then, yeah, it's building constant efficiency systems that make it sustainable because you have to, we haven't raised any money. We haven't, we don't have any debt. We just have had to, you know, build it off itself, which I'd say at its core, it's, you have to do great work and be a good salesperson. So you strike me as like an exceptional marketer. Um, and obviously you are from, from everything you've done, just, you know, through your career and, and even just talking us through your journey. Um, Look, for anyone watching this, uh, you know, marketing consistently changes. Like, you know, at the time of recording this, yep. Facebook has just changed their name to Metaverse. You know, yeah. digital advertising <laughs> is changing. I love that they own Meta, though. I think that was just a ballsy move that I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. So, look, things are changing fast, man. Like, you know, even for us at Founder, like, you know, we're still big on Facebook ads, but like, you know, we're looking at TikTok. Like it, it, it's just constantly yep. evolving, constantly changing. What do you think it takes to become a great marketer in 2021 and, and beyond? Yeah, I think it's uh, an, a methodology or a, a framework around marketing that has nothing to do with the individual platforms. I think that is what has made us better. One other thing that has made us better and has let me get through the past, you know, 12 years, 13 years of being in e-commerce and sustain. It's not like the same channel, I'm using the same channels or same tactics I did 13 years ago, but the theories I have around marketing that have been honed over time have been. And actually, funny enough, we just pre-launched, as you said, as the time of recording this, we pre-launched our book today called The Hawk Method, uh, which lays out how we think about it. And the gist of it, by the book, by the way, but the gist of it is uh, we look at marketing in three categories, awareness, nurturing, and trust. We look at it like three pillars. And awareness, meaning how do you introduce a new uh, buyer, a new potential customer to your product or service, advertising, PR, word of mouth, whatever that is, nurturing that period between when they first get introduced to when they buy and then post-purchase to bring them back and keep nurturing them, things like email marketing, SMS. And the reason those are important is the what mo- most people that are new to marketing, now frankly, a lot of senior marketers miss is the idea of a purchase cycle or consideration period, meaning the ter- period between when someone is introduced to your product and when they actually buy is usually weeks to months. It's not that fast. And so you need to do things along the way to nurture them to actually get that sale at a higher conversion rate and a higher velocity. And so that's super important. The last pillar pillar is trust, which is third-party validation until you build your own brand. So it could be referrals, testimonials, PR, influencer marketing, et cetera. And then over time, by being consistent with your product and service, you'll build your brand of your own. And so skimming over it, but looking at it that way, when it comes to, do I do Facebook? Do I do Google? Do I do this? It really comes down to understanding how those play into that strategy. And we always look at when it comes to advertising, like context, not, you can reach your audience anywhere now. That's not hard. You know, there's every type of demographic on Facebook and on Google and on TikTok and on Snapchat, but what are they doing when they get my advertisement? And is that how I want to be received? And frankly, we've been talking, we actually were the first announced agency partner to TikTok because we saw this is exactly the type of advertising platform we need to be involved in. And like, I think TikTok's going to have a very bright future as they hone it in. So we've built a relationship there. Yeah, no, I agree. Read TikTok. Okay, interesting. So let's delve a little deeper. So you, you bring on an e-commerce client uh, for your agency. What does that process look like in terms of like beginning the strategy, the research, 
how you mm-hmm. would increase sales for that brand? Yeah, I mean, it starts with, you know, basically framework I mentioned along with checklist of like, okay, so how are you doing on your nurturing? Like, how's your website? How's your email marketing? How's your SMS? On the awareness side, how is your advertising? What are you covering? Do you already do Google? Do you already do Facebook? How are those performing? We basically do an audit of like everything they're doing and then go, okay, well, you're fa-. And we also have a benchmarking tool uh, across all different industries. So we can see here's how you're performing against your industry um, that we've built. So it's like, you know, you're doing really well on conversion rate, but you're not getting enough traffic. If your conversion rate's great, and you then you should probably just juice the top of the funnel, like you're converting great, then that means you just need more traffic to dump into that and, and while maintaining that conversion rate. So it's looking at where are the broken pieces and where are they just missing completely? Because with marketing in this day and age, you kind of need to cover all your bases and tr- do everything a little bit. And so we look at where we can plug in and complement that. Sometimes that's everything. Sometimes they're coming to us and, you know, they had a, a celebrity do a couple of posts and that's all they've done. And so we have to build from scratch, but a lot of times they've already done some things and we're coming in to complement that. And, you know, you talk about um, like you're launching the book, the Hawk method, like how do you plan to promote this book? Like, yeah, are you doing anything crazy? Like, yeah, talk us through the marketing tactics for the book. It's really just coming on this podcast called founder and uh, you know, blowing it out because that's, that's that's my one plan I'm, this is it boom or bust no it's uh, we actually funny enough we thankfully we're a marketing agency we did develop our own marketing thesis you know using the theories that we have around what we thought would be a good way to blow this out and i then brought it to a group of friends that have all been new york times bestsellers put them in front of them and said hey i want you guys to rip my plan apart like what am i doing wrong what am i missing and they all laughed and they were like this is way better than i've ever put together. So well done. Just do this. You'll probably be fine. And so uh, thankfully, we have some really good teams around us between different types of PR teams. We have a podcast agency, a speaking agency, a traditional PR agency, our own internal PR. We have advertising going out. We have a web team. We have a, an actual book launch team. We have a book buying team. We have a bulk sales team. We have a publisher doing retail. We have, we're firing all cylinders because our goal the book comes out February 15th and we were to get a New York times bestseller. You have to sell about 20,000 books in the first week, but all the pre-sales count towards that. So our goal is to sell 20,000 books by the time we hit February 15th. Yep. Got you. And is there anything like one particular tactic or something you're doing that is out there that you're most proud of that you could share? On the books, you mean, or on yeah, the, on, on the book, like anything guerrilla yeah. marketing or like yeah, yeah. I, yeah. To that credit, yes, um, and it's the platform has helped. So this is what we did: we uh, threw a really big event called e-commerce week that we partnered with the city of LA on, and we raised a lot of sponsorship dollars for that. And what we did was we took the money we needed to to pay for the event, but instead of profiting off it, we turned all of this extra excess sponsorship dollars, which was a lot of money. Uh, into pre-sales for the book and and basically took the money that these sponsors gave us and actually put it into book sales for them. So thank you for sponsoring. Here's a thousand copies of the book that we had left over from that you can share with your employees, your clients, whatever. So it became a marketing strategy for the book, but also a marketing strategy for Hawk because yeah, if we can get our book into the hands of a bunch of MarTech and Ecom Tech employees and their clients, that's obviously a benefit too. So that's been one really fun because that basically that that actually might get us halfway to our goal on its own. Yeah, wow. So yeah, you're already clocking up the pre-sales already. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we've sold, yeah, we're we're I mean, again, that probably gets us ten thousand bucks. Yeah, wow. That's really smart. Love it. A brand here in Australia, Lorna Jane. 
you guys, yeah. client for you guys, uh, mm-hmm. you increased their performance by a thousand percent, tripled monthly yeah. advertising sales for Facebook. Um, yeah. Can you talk us through how you brought that one to life? <laughs> it's a fun one. Uh, we've got a sales guy named Ralph who is still with us. He's our top seller and he's uh, from Manchester, uh, UK, and he plays a lot of rugby. And he happened to play rugby with, I think it was your CFO or your Warner Jane CFO. I'm pretty sure if I remember, this is a few years ago. And they were playing rugby and he was saying, we need some help on digital. And he went, well, we can do it. And that's how it got teed up. And it, and I I always wish I could do, say something that was more linear than that, but I think it's a good lesson. Like a lot of what happens in this business with our best clients is relationships that we still, I mean, we have crazy volume. So a lot of it is still like people hearing about us, reaching out to us, et cetera. But having random relationships does a lot. But how did you triple monthly sales for that business using Facebook ads? So it's not just Facebook ads. I mean, listen, doing better ads and better creative, better targeting is part of it, but it's also looking at their funnel. What were they doing on email? How is their site performing? All the things that actually convert. And that is a big thing people forget is the performance of Facebook ads is not just relying on Facebook. You have to have a good product. You have to have a good website. You have to have good email marketing, SMS marketing, funnels, everything. And so we really just looked at everything and then fixed up the ads too, because creative on Facebook is also super important and targeting, but targeting's gotten easier. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success, you should come and check out our new podcast from Zero to Founder hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. And what would you say it's... It's the creative over the funnel or the funnel over the creative? I'd lean a little more towards creative than funnel because I think if you do a great job on creative, they'll find their way through the funnel unless it's just you can't find the sale. I've, I've just been always shocked when you know, we look at perfection as close as possible with a lot of what we do. And then you get we end up with a client with the worst website I've ever seen doing $50 million a year in sales because people want the product and are going to figure out how to buy it regardless of the fact that the website's not intuitive. So I think you can, the funnel is a way to optimize on like an incremental basis, but I think creative can actually drive a sale or not. Mm. Yeah. Look, when when you talk about product, um, nothing beats just like a good product that people actually want that bang the doors down. And then if you use great marketing, great funnel or all that side of of things, it's just so much easier. Exactly. Okay. Um, Love to talk about kind of e-commerce versus service-based businesses. Which do you sure. believe is harder to market? I would say service business is harder to market. Why? Uh, because I think you e-commerce products, I think, need less trust than a service business. 
you can advertise both the same way. You can reach the same people or the people your potential target the same way. So advertising is not as hard. Nurturing with service businesses, generally nurturing has to be done more hand-to-hand, meaning like face-to-face and not even on Zoom, but you get what I'm saying, like talking to someone versus just self-sold in most service businesses. So you can't get that uh, automatic funnel that people just buy that buy on their own. So that makes it harder. And then again, and also you need more and more trust to get someone to buy a service than you do a product. And so I think all of that, it's, it's a harder marketing challenge. There's a lot more moving parts. We talked a little bit before about like marketing constantly changing. You have to, you really have to keep up, you know, with Facebook ads, iOS 14, a lot of brands out there struggling. I'd love to hear like, what's your take? How is Hawk Media kind of, I guess, helping clients, your clients in that in this current economy when it comes to paid advertising with Facebook ads? Yeah, it's diversification. So Facebook's still a very powerful tool. You know, this is where thankfully we accelerate because we, uh, how do I put it? We, you know, we, we're very diversified. We, we have a partnership with TikTok. We're actually listed on Snapchat site as one of their top partners. We have tons of different ways to advertise and build brands that if Facebook has an issue, okay, fine, we'll move your money somewhere else. So in this, I think that's where, frankly, we're winning right now and our clients are is because Facebook still works for a lot of them. We also focus on the funnel. We focus on their creative. We have teams to cover basically all the bases. The two things we don't do are PR and events because they're very different skill sets that we can't, we're not the best at. And so we're not going to offer them. We partner. And so other than that, we do have great silos for all these different needs. And so we're able to not only diversify off Facebook if they need to, but also complement Facebook ads with all the things that help drive better Facebook, again, creative funnel building, et cetera. And so that combination we've been able to win. And that's what I love about situations like iOS 14 is it basically, I don't know how to put it. It just feels like it's honestly from a business standpoint, I always have to be careful with this, but like COVID and business where it's like the, the rules just got thrown out the, you know, the, the strongest survive, let's go. And I know we've been really good at what we do, thankfully. So COVID was a blessing for our business. And so is iOS 14 because of the way we've built structured our business. For a lot of people that, you know, have a chink in their armor, this is where they fall off. And frankly, for our clients, if we're doing the right things for them, this is where their competitors don't do as good of a job and fall out of the way. And we end up winning. And we've had that, like, you know, a lot of the clients that stuck with us in COVID that didn't panic and stop all marketing are just absurdly bigger now because the market share of e-commerce went from 13 to 30% of consumer spending in the US. So it just crushed it. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and I love your approach. So diving a little deeper, um, what channels have you found to be, because yeah, I agree, Facebook ads still super powerful, just like case in point, we still spend a lot of money there for founder, but um, what channels are you guys diversifying into and spreading? Uh, I'd love to know. Is it TikTok? Yeah. Is it YouTube? Is it display? TikTok, not YouTube. YouTube, I've never really been able to see pre-roll uh, ads work. So YouTube influencers I like, but I don't really like advertising much on YouTube. Once in a while, it works for a specific brand, specific creative, but not that big. TikTok, Snapchat's decent. Podcasts, we I really like. Um, and then TV and radio, I think are, and I think audio in general is going to be having a big surge. And they even like, if you add week last week in New York, that's all they talked about is the surge of audio clubhouse was a cool first attempt at that. I'm curious if it can 
keep picking it up. But I think audio in general is going to be a great new engagement tool. Awesome. And you talked about uh, email. Do you guys do much on SMS? What's your thoughts on that channel? Oh, yeah. So one of our, our, I would say our best investment to date is Postscript, if you know it, the SMS tool partner is Shopify. Uh, so we were one of their first investors. They're awesome partners. So yeah, we've been very heavy in SMS for years. And yeah, I mean, I love it. And to go to the numbers, which I'm a data-driven guy, oh, email open in the US at least, the average open rate of an e-commerce email is about 15% and click rates about 3%. On SMS, we're seeing open rates at 98%, which is fine, of course, like if you get a text, you open it, but the click-through rate's 30%, meaning SMS is 10 times more effective than an email campaign. A little harder to collect a phone number than an email, but not that much harder. So very, very bullish on SMS. Yeah, love it. And uh, do you help any of your clients with, or probably, probably not, I'm going to assume this, but just genuinely curious, anything around kind of phone sales, call center, Anything there? Yeah, no. Just the AOV's we, not there. We'll, we'll coach them on it. Like we, thankfully, like just because of the way we operate, we operate in such an ecosystem mindset. We'll sometimes introduce them to different call centers and partners that we may know for different aspects of their business, but uh, ourselves, no. Yeah, got you. Okay. Um, so, how is Hawk Media going uh, and approaching selling to Gen Z, who is a is a much more savvy market? Kind of, I guess. Um, more cynical when it comes to being sold to. Yeah, so it's funny. We ran into this. I don't know if that was teed up or not, but that's a good question because we trying to figure out, like, you know, we had our own assumptions, but most of my team's millennials. There are some Gen Zs on our team. So at this point, Gen Z is getting old enough that, like, a lot of our team is Gen Z. But uh, I went and, you know, said, hey, there's an opportunity here for bigger brands to figure out a way to reach Gen Z. And I don't know why everyone talks about it, but no one actually executes. You know, I'm sure Omnicom and WPP tell us that they can do some market analysis around what Gen Z wants and then go advertise, but that can't be doing it right. And so I ended up making friends with two of the top TikTok stars, Josh Richards and Griffin Johnson. We went out to dinner, they proceeded to tell me how they had all these brands hitting them up, wanting to work with them. They didn't know how to do it because they didn't have enough time. Meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out how to help brands with Gen Z. And I went, well, why don't we just create an agency together? And within two weeks, we had signed a deal to partner up and launch an agency called Hawk Z, which is our Gen Z arm. So we actually work with them as creative direction to actually figure out how to you know, bring different products and services to Gen Z. And the first client we signed there is Crocs. So we've been working with Crocs on their Gen Z approach, which thankfully Crocs is doing very, very well. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So... Um, love to delve a little bit deeper on the TikTok piece. You said you guys are a partner. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you diversify big time there in for you for e-commerce clients. Um, are you guys doing the whole thing like influencer, organic and paid? Like talk, talk us through kind of this platform. Yeah. So we, we've done influencer for a while. Uh, organic, we do do as well. Yeah. And organic and paid. And really what it is, is being authentic to the platform. Like you don't want to like take a commercial build for YouTube or for television and run it on TikTok, but you have to make specific creative and specific posts to TikTok, whether it's an advertisement or organic or getting influencers to do things. So yeah, I mean, that that I hate to say it, but that is really the biggest key there. The advertising platform itself is still being built out. So it's not perfect. Their algorithms from a e-commerce perspective or like a marketing perspective aren't perfect either. So it's still early. 
but the price is right. And we've been able to find ways to make it work because it's early. Like you just have to be a little more creative. You have to be a little more on top of it. You know, unlike Facebook, where it's almost done for you in a lot of ways at this point, um, that doesn't mean you don't know how to use a platform, right, et cetera. But like, you know, Facebook takes a lot of the nuance out of it, whereas these newer platforms, you have to be a little more hands-on and know the nuance to really make it work. Yeah, I see. And um, I'm curious, like a lot of people look at TikTok and they just see dance videos, right? Is yeah. It, is the creative- well, it's all algorithm-based. So if you just see dance videos, it's because you seem to like dance videos. <laughs> I guess they look at the TikTok stars, right? And they think, oh, sure. you know, how, yeah. how can I how can I make this work for my brand? I'm not gonna like I'm not yeah. So yeah. like can you maybe elaborate like for an e-commerce client like a Lorna Jane, like yeah, sure. you're doing creative where you find, you know, talent to do dance. Uh, yeah, like can you talk us through kind of how you guys think of that approach? Even like created from a paid, created from organic or influencer briefs, like, yeah. When participate, like this is the same thing that it was on Instagram, like participating in trends is one way to get an audience. So remember, what was it? The Harlem Shake a few years ago? That was not a few years ago. Shit, that was what, 10 years ago now, nine years ago? Time flies. But um, the, I'm t- that wasn't, you know, I think that was on Instagram, but all these people did that and uh, posted these videos of doing this ridiculous dance, like that's not new, but that's one aspect. So like, yeah, you can do a dance or participate in some, you know, uh, TikTok, what do they call them? Trend that they're doing. And that goes anywhere from that to like, you know, the, the our partners on Hawk Z launched their own energy drink, Any Energy, because they realized they started a trend of shotgunning energy drinks. And we're like, well, we might as well own the energy drink everyone's shotgunning. So not saying I can, you know, that that's the way you need to go. But that's an interesting thing right there is if you're an energy drink, you start a shotgunning challenge and boom, you've got all of a sudden got sales. One of our clients, actually, great example. Uh, the founder, or not the founder, the uh, daughter of the founder of the, te- the steakhouse in um, Las Vegas, uh, they, they built out an e-commerce side too. And she created this TikTok video Uh, they have these incredible lobster tails. They actually get off the West coast of Australia, funny enough. And they ship them all the way to Vegas all the time. And there's these crazy massive lobster tails that they have. And she basically folded it open and poured butter down it. It's this beautiful video of like butter rolling down this giant lobster tail. And it went completely viral on TikTok. And so then all these, you know, Gen Z's visiting Vegas we're like, well, we have to recreate the video. The irony of the video is she has three lobster tails in it. So now she has all these, you know, 15 to 25 year olds coming into her steakhouse and ordering three lobster tails each. They're having the highest ticket items they've ever had. And it's an incredible story. And it just started with a quick video that was very authentic. That now all these people have had to recreate it and they're just blowing it out of the water. And it's, you know, been a huge driver for them because people want to go recreate that. It's become a moment that costs, I don't know how much three lobster tails cost, but it's decent price. So when they have a, she was saying this, when they have a table for six people and each one orders three lobster tails and they sell 18 lobster tails to six people in the restaurant, it's a good, it's a good night. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, it's a great yeah. story. Um, so I'm curious around AI as well. What's your take there? Um, you know, you see, you see products like that can write copy for you now. Uh, you see, you see all sorts of things like, you know, you can see products that that automate your media buying, all sorts of things. So, like, where do you see the future going when it comes to AI technology from a marketing perspective? And 
Did you see that uh, it was like AI trying to write the next script for Batman? No, I didn't say that. Oh, I wish I could find, I could probably Google it right now, but it's unbelievably funny because it's like, it took all the Batman scripts, put them into one, said it's going to recreate it. And it's like, yeah, this makes sense as to why a computer would think this is coherent. AI to replace creativity is going to take a really long time. I don't believe that copywriting and creative are going to be replaced by AI for a long time. Data analysis, anything logic driven, absolutely, that's coming. And that's already here in some ways. And like we've built a benchmarking tool that we're now parlaying into an insights tool that allows us to skip a lot of the analysis we do on brands so that we can go right to the point because we don't have to go pull all the numbers. We can have all that done for us just by boom, that number's off. Let's look at that. I'm pointing at actually my dashboard so I can immediately look at it and go, oh, okay, this is where the problems are. And that's stuff that AI can start to augment, which allows people to stick to creativity and higher thinking, which I think is very powerful. Also, all the predictions around AI the past five years have been way too optimistic. And it, we've seen that now. So Ray Kurzweil, who was the head of AI at Google and was like one of the foremost thought leaders in, in uh, AI, uh, said that by 2023, we, AI would replace uh, human would have the power to think of a human brain. And that was back in like 2016, 17, he said that it's not even close. Like we're and we're a year away from, we're a year and two months away from 2023. We're not going to be there by 2023. And so then on, under that assumption, he also assumed that by 2029, not only would computers have the power to think of a human brain, but they'd actually have been learned enough now to actually replace human thinking by 2029. I don't see it. I think human adoption is too slow. I think it'll take a lot longer. But in the meantime, machine learning and optimization that way is going. But AI itself has moved a lot slower than a lot of the headlines would lead you to believe. And a lot of the research led me to believe. I did a lot of research around this for a TED talk I gave. I think that was in 2018 that led me to believe that, you know, by 2023, we'd have been replaced by machines in a lot of ways. It's not what's going to happen. Mm, interesting. Okay, uh, work towards wrapping up, conscious of your time. Uh, for anyone that's kind of early stage with their product or service, uh, you know, looking to market uh, their product or service, what's the number one mistake you see people making right now? Yeah, it's that back to that purchase cycle. Remember, you spend a dollar today, it takes time. So purchase cycle meaning from the time someone's introduced to your brand to the dime they buy, if you've got a $50 product, it's usually about three weeks. $100 is about five weeks. $200 is about six weeks. And then it trails off from there between two and three months for any purchase or any uh, impulse buy. But remember that because that means if, I, if you spend a hundred bucks today on marketing, it's going to take you weeks to months before you see that return. And so when people start managing their marketing as if it's a day-by-day -day payback and they're looking at the output and input on a daily basis, that's when you end up cutting off your nose to spite your face in marketing. Marketing is not about the next day returns. It's about an ongoing expansion of your audience to convert into customers and to have long-term relationships with those customers. That's a stable business. And that's the way you build a sustainable and a big scale business. These you know, fly-by-night sort of drop shipping companies, and most of which are gone now, don't work very well because you it's not that simple. You do have to build ongoing relationships, merchandise well, keep your customers coming back, convert well. All these things do need to work for this work. It's not some input output, you know, put a dollar in, four dollars comes out machine. Yeah, love it. It's more long term. Yep. Love it. Okay. Uh, so we're going to move to the hot seat round. Uh, 30 second answers uh, for questions. If you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why? 
I, you know, I, I would say, and I've had the opportunity, but I haven't taken it yet. Uh, Richard Branson, just always admire how incredible he's been in business, but also just had a fucking blast along the way and not burned a lot of people and seemed to enjoy it, seemed to, you know, the people around him seemed to love him. I think that's really also always been great, uh, an aspiration of mine. And I think great to see. Great answer. Uh, what about marketing? Should people talk about more? keep going back to the same thing, purchase cycle. So many people, so many people, and again, we deal with a lot, don't understand the idea of a purchase cycle. And so constantly talk about their return on ad spend. It's like, okay, over what period of time? What what time window are you looking at? Because it completely changes that conversation. And what is your purchase cycle? If you're looking at a shorter time window for your ROAS than you are for your purchase cycle, you're completely misinforming yourself. And if you're overextending that, then you're overstating your per- your uh, return on ad spend. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of nuance in that that people don't want to talk about. What's one campaign, marketing campaign, if not your own, that you've seen in the past year that you've been seriously impressed by? Yeah, uh, it was a year and a half ago, but I I was impressed to see how people responded to COVID. And the one that I saw that I really was impressed, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit because it's been a while, but uh, Range Rover came out with an ad right away. It was just a picture of a Range Rover off in the distance on like a mountaintop in the desert. It was a really cool photo with it off in the distance. And it just said Range Rover social di- practicing social distancing since like 1948. And it was just like, it was the perfect timing for it because everybody was looking for an assurance. And I, and I watched this with the emotional state of the masses, so to speak. And at that point in time, everyone in the country was in the, I don't know about the world, but I'm going to speak to the US, was looking for just some reassurance that things were going to be okay. And Land Rover came out and said, we've done this. We got you. We've been doing this a long time. You're fine. And it was just like the right message, the right time, the right creative. I, I appreciated it a lot. Oh, awesome. And the last question is, if you could have any other job in the world, what would it be and why? Ooh, I could have any other job. I, well, there's, I'd say there's two. Uh, I'd say pro snowboarder if I had any capability or was maybe 10 years younger so I could still bounce a little bit. Um, just a diehard snowboarder. love doing that. Uh, I also love investing. So even though I get to do this with my current job, I think if I wasn't running Hawk Media, running a more of a family office and engaging more on the investing side would probably be where I'd be. Because I really love, if I'm not the entrepreneur and I'm not running something, I love uh, working with entrepreneurs and helping them build and help and helping be a backer and advisor and investor. Yeah, awesome. Love it, man. Well, look, we'll wrap there, but thank you so much for your time. Uh, that was an amazing interview. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.